0: Seven one, Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence to God. And let's see if that next scripture is there. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see God. So I want to define, first of all, the term Holiness. Defining holiness. There's a Hebrew word here, kavosh. There's a Greek word here, hagios. And those two words in the Old and New Testament mean roughly the same thing. They mean set apart, pure, complete, whole. And the call to be holy is to be set apart from the ways of this world. So right now we have assumed, because it's a biblical virtue, uh, in the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman and a home and a family, and all of that is being uprooted today. Um, So many things like that have been set apart. Even our History and Christian values and the teachings of Christ, many of those things are trying to be replaced in our culture today. So to be in holiness means that you are not pious and holier than thou, but that you are set apart from the broken ways of the world in which we live. And you are connected with the wholeness and the completeness and the purity of of God's design for how we should live. And so I want to speak this morning on the beauty of holiness as it plugs into our lives. And so there's an obstacle we have to overcome, first of all, and that is the sin factor. Um, You know, I do a lot of reading and, and listening to different preachers and speakers and what they're saying, and you hear a lot about sin, but we don't always hear about this fallen nature that is the reason why our world just won't work and get it right. We have a broken, fallen, sin nature. Now, we live in a woke culture right now. Not all of us are woke. In fact, most of us aren't. But those that are kind of the elite in the different stations of power in our society, whether it be Hollywood or the media or whether it be in education or whether it be in a lot of different institutions, uh, they are trying to shed that Christian heritage that we have. And one of the things that makes it unconvincing to me is that they are so glaringly broken and sinful in their own lives, and they are quick to point out the brokenness in society, but to somehow view themselves as standing above it all. So they want us to live in a certain way, but that is a good way for thee, but not for me to live. You know what I'm talking about? And that is overlooking a broken sin nature that is there. And there is an effort underway today in our world to try to direct how all of the rest of us should live. At about 1.30 this morning, sometimes I wake up at night, so I'll turn on the TV for a few minutes and then I'll go back to sleep. And I saw something on a news program that is really stunning. You've all heard of Bill Gates. And he is giving $200 million to Google, I believe it is, to create digital identity for all of us. Every detail of our lives will be digitally coded in and accessible to those who have their own broken, fallen human nature that are trying to tell us how to live. They will know your faith. They will know how you voted. They will know your bank account. They will know it all. And it is all in the name of the common good for our world. How many of you think that is a great idea? No. Sounds a little bit like the mark of the beast, doesn't it? Now, I hope it doesn't happen, but what I'm trying to say is there is this sin nature. Now, David, in Psalms 51, verses 1 through 6, he's, this is almost autobiographical, looking at his own sin nature. I won't go over all of the shortcomings of David's life, but how many of you know he had some major shortcomings in his life? Do you know that? And here is David. Reflecting on himself. And look what he says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out all my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that sacred place. So wisdom begins in our life when we recognize that broken, fallen, sinful nature that we have. We all have it. The only one who didn't have it was who? Got it. And it is that sinful nature that unless we can find a way past that, it is going to keep us going in the wrong direction, and self-destructing in our own lives. So for the heart of what I want to speak today, I want us to look at life as it was meant to be. This is how God designed us to live And I want us to look at the beauty of holiness. Holiness as living lives that are set apart, that are not defined by the conventions and the values and the misdirections and the passions and the lusts and the selfishness of a sinful world, but are defined by the way things ought to be as God designed and intended for us to live. There's another passage of scripture here I want us to read and and it's in Psalms out of Psalms chapter 19 verses 7 through 10. David again who is just extolling his love for the laws of God. The laws of God that's the holiness code of God. That's the way we are meant to live and put our lives together and that applies to every one of us. The law of the Lord is perfect refreshing the soul the statutes of the lord are trustworthy making wise the simple the precepts of the lord are right giving joy to the heart the commands of the lord are radiant giving light to the eyes the fear of the lord is pure enduring forever The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey than honey from the honeycomb. David didn't look at the law as something that was legalism but he saw it as insight for living where we can lock up with the attention, the plan, the purpose, the virtues, the moral compass that God had intended, and that can become the holiness by which we live our lives. And that is something that we need to strive for. Am I wrong in saying that the further we depart from holiness as a culture or as individuals, the further we stray from that, the more in disarray everything becomes around about us. So this holiness is not something that is optional, but it is a prerequisite if we're going to live life as it was meant to be. I want us to look for a minute at those amazing Jews. Um, I saw something, oh this has been a couple of weeks ago, it just fascinated me. The top 10 Nations, are the nations that have the, this is the top ten nations in terms of IQ. So these are the nations that have the IQ highest, smartest people in the world. I thought the Jews would be at the top of the list. They are just so impressive with everything they have done in science and just so many different ways. But they weren't. You know who's number one? The Japanese. You know who's number two? Singapore. Number three, Taiwan. In North Korea. I don't remember the different ones. Uh, I've had a number of Asians in my classrooms and I'll tell you that they seem to always be at the top of the curve. They always do. But the Jews weren't even on the list. So why is it that they have been so distinguished and outstanding as a people down through the ages? It goes back to biblical times. Let's start with Father Abraham. But then after Abraham, let's think of Joseph, who rose from a slave to being second in command in the land of Egypt. Uh, Let's think of Esther, who was another outcast. But she rose to be queen of the country. Let's think of Daniel and the other three Hebrew young men who came as slave exiles into Babylonian captivity. And they rose to prominence. Let's think of Nehemiah, who was the cupbearer of the king. And led the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem. Let's think of Jesus. Who was the Messiah. And the most influential human. Who ever lived by all accounts. Let's think of the Apostle Paul. Let's think of the people who gave us the book. That is the most important book that has ever been written. It's the Bible. They were all Jews. So what set them apart? We know they are the chosen people, but they were chosen for a reason. In Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. The Jewish people were not chosen because they were the smartest. They were not chosen because they were just God's favorites. They were chosen to be the bearer of the oracles of God, the Torah, the law of God, the holiness of God that He's revealed to us of how we can live life as it was meant to be. I might have mentioned this once before. I'm not sure. Though um, so if it's a rerun for you, for you, forgive me. But there is an old legend. It says that when Moses came down from the Mount of Sinai with the Ten Commandments, that he spoke those Ten Commandments in Hebrew, but they went forth and were heard in 70 different languages. The reason for that, the number 70, is for completion. This was the law of God. This was the holiness code that came from God that was to go through Israel as a missionary people and bring light to all the peoples of the earth. And you know, it is that insight for living that has characterized the Jewish people that I believe has made them so successful. Let's just take our own country, for example. 1.8% of the American population, the last time I checked, were Jews. But those Jews own four of the five largest movie studios in the United States. Two of nine of the Supreme Court justices, and a while back it was three out of nine uh, when uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, uh, there was, that, it's two out of nine now of the Supreme Court justices are Jewish. Ten of 100 U.S. Senators are Jewish. 27 in the House of Representatives are Jewish. Now, I'm kind of a sports fan. And, you know, the one thing I can say about Jews is they tend not to be great athletes. So what do they do? They buy the teams. Half of the NBA or- owners, including the reigning world champion Golden State Warriors, are Jews. A third of the owners of Major League Baseball teams are Jews. A quarter of NFL teams are Jews. Five of the ten richest Americans are Jews. Isn't that amazing? And it's not just luck. It's not just brains. What makes all of that happen is the fact these are the people that have invested in the code for living. Now I know that not all Jews are going to heaven. And I know that many secular Jews are anything but spiritual or religious. But their emphasis upon education and family and their moral code is what has made them stand apart and rise above. And that same principle will work in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our nation, if we give it room to operate within our lives. Now, this law of God, these virtues of God, there are three uses for it. Let me just go through this very quickly. The first of all is to curb bad behavior. We live in a country right now that is experimenting with trying to defund police, Try to remove all bail laws. And how is that working out in terms of violent crime in our cities? Not so well, is it? The laws that we have to live by, they have to be enforced if you're going to have a civil society. So those laws of God are required for a successful civilization. Secondly, those laws of God are there to check your sinful human nature and my sinful human nature. That's part of the image of God that is planted within us. A sense of right and wrong. And whether you are professing a Christian faith or not, when you stray from that moral code that God has established for us all to live by, There are those twinges of conscience and guilt that fire off within our own being. That's a second use of the law. And a third use of the law is that it reveals how God intended for us to live in the first place. That's where the laws of God, the Torah, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, the laws of the Old Testament, the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament, as we plug those in in our lives... Life just gets better and it works. Not only for ourselves, but in our relationships for others around about us. Those uses of the Word of God, of the holiness of God, as it applies and plugs into the practical areas of our life, are essential for life as it was meant to be. Now there are two worldviews. That are in circulation. There's the one we have grown up with and lived by. Biblical worldview. Natural law. Orders of creation. Absolute or timeless truths. Truths and right and wrong that apply to us all. Those central teachings are coded within our faith within scripture. It's part of how we are raised. That's why nations that have followed This And people that have followed this, why they have been blessed, and why they succeed. Then there is a Johnny-come-lately that's trying to make inroads and redefine your life and my life and the world in which we live. It's the Marxist progressive worldview. And in this worldview, truth is not absolute. Truth is a social construct. And if you want to construct a different code for living, then just cancel all of the old ways and values that you live by. You can redefine marriage or do away with it altogether. You can do away with 2,000 years of Christian tradition and what has built societies. Erase it. Let's invent something new right now. And it just goes down the line. And this is truth that you want to be. But I'm here to tell you, it won't work. It hasn't stood the test of time. It doesn't correspond to the nature of God and how he created the world to exist and how he created us to live. So which worldview do you live by? There's another one, the beauty of God's laws. They are, first of all, comprehensive. They speak to every area of our life. I know, I, I try to read through the Bible once a year. It usually ends up taking about a year and a half to get through it and... And I have to admit, I'm in Second Chronicles right now and all of these chronologies and all of these genealogies that are there, I just don't know what to do with those things. I've never come up with a scintillating message yet on the chrono- chronologies in Second Cor- uh, Chronicles. But sometimes, some of the law in Deuteronomy, uh, some of it gets kind of, what do we do with these sorts of things? But, here, but here's something to realize those laws, I still haven't figured out what to do with the chronologies, but those laws that are there, they speak to every aspect of our life. They speak to your diet. They speak to your personal hygiene. They speak to personal relationships. They speak to international relationships. They speak to laws. They speak to religious codes. They speak to economics. They speak to every dimension of your life. It's a comprehensive worldview. God has something to say about every aspect of our life. Now, we may have to decode those from how they were interpreted three or four thousand years ago, but uh, they apply to our lives today. Well, I've been waiting for this for a long time. My son and three of my granddaughters were coming to church and they didn't get here. And as I speak, they walk through the door right now. Can we give a welcome to Paul Stewart and three of my granddaughters? <laughs> Paul's always late, but I didn't know that he was going to be late for church today. But anyway, so you're, you're diving in midstream here, but we're glad you're here. Um, So these law, the beauty of God's laws, they are comprehensive. Second, they are the pathway to enlightened living. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And third, they are timeless. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So these are values of the laws of God, of the codes of God that he has shared with us that can make our lives be all that they were intended to be. Now on. Oh, now I turned it off. How do I turn it back on? <laughs> there we go. I'm just having a technological technical breakdown here today. I'm sorry. So let's look at the law the codes of god and a life worth living the first thing is for prosperity and success within our lives keep this book of the law always on your lips meditate on it day and night so that they may be careful to do you may be careful to do everything written in it Then you will be prosperous and successful. One of the reasons why the United States is the country that millions are trying to break into all the time is because there is the opportunity for a better life for them. Can you blame them? Is there anything we can do to to try to make them not want that? Of course But it's not because we are a slave culture. It's not because of all of these bad things. We've had our bad moments and imperfect elements, and I understand that. But it's because as a people, as a culture, we built ourselves on the bedrock of the way God intended for us to live. And we have self-corrected throughout our history, and that is the reason. Now, as we depart... From the laws of God, whether it is in your life or whether it's in our life as a people, that spout where the blessings come out is going to be turned off. And those blessings will no longer be upon us. And whether it's in your life or it's whether in our life as a, as a, as a nation, we are at a place right now. Where if we don't correct course, the good old days are behind us. So, they're profitable for prosperity and success. For building strong families. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. When you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, it's the home and the family that is be the bedrock of how these virtues, how this moral compass, how this disposition of faith, that is where it is passed from generation to generation. We don't want... I mean, it's a wonderful thing if we had prayer in schools. But it's not up to the government. It's not up to public education to instill those values in the lives of the new generation. That is the place of the home and the family. One of the reasons why why things are so broken in the United States of America today is the breakdown of the family. You know, before 1960, well, not early 1960s, 80% of the African American families in the United States were intact nuclear families. Today, 75% of those African American families are single-parent families. And that's largely because The dads have abdicated the responsibility of being faithful husbands and fathers. And we are closing that gap between them as the other ethnic groups in our country as well. There has to be the emphasis upon the family. I just don't want the government raising my kids or my grandkids or telling them what is right or wrong, or what they should be doing. That should start in the home, and the family, and be the mission of the church. The third thing if you is for national greatness. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of His commands that I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. That's why the Jewish people historically have had such a disproportionate influence not only on their part of the world, but on the world in general as a whole. If you raise up the name of the Lord, the Lord's blessing will be upon you. And all of that is called into question today. I understand that. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the core of how he wants us to live, he's revealed it to us, and he's called us to live lives of holiness. Now, I don't know if I got the pulpit earlier this morning, or I'm just short winded, but I'm almost finished. So we'll have lunch early. But just a couple things I want to say before I close. Um, I got a call from a foreign, uh, foreign, a form, former student of mine when we had Bethany College Las Vegas here. Mike Hatch is his name. And he asked me if I'd come and speak and I'm speaking there next Sunday. And he wanted me to speak on spiritual warfare. So I've been working on this message and I've really gotten into it. In fact I'm going to be here not next Sunday but the following Sunday and i've got something else planned but i'm getting so much into this other message right now i might just bring the message that i'm bringing to bomb of gilead which is in the inner city of las vegas it's a black congregation there and i'm looking forward to ministering in that church but the reason i'm saying all of that is i've been doing some reading in some other directions And there is underway, and this is a project of thought and study, and Bible study that I'm doing right now. I am convinced that America is no longer the Christian nation it once was. I don't know if we're full on post-Christian yet, but that's the direction in which we are headed. And if that doesn't change, we're not going to like the days that are ahead of us as a people. I've been reading, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to impress you with how much I read the Bible, but I, I try to read through. And I, I've just gotten through a couple months ago through Joshua and First um, and Second Kings. And all of those false gods or pagan deities that the Jewish people were in battle with. There was Asherah or Ishtar and she was the god of sexual love and a militant goddess. There was Baal who was a nature god of fertility and he was kind of the lord of the gods. And there was Molech who was the God of death. And it was Moloch, who even the Jewish people were offering their sons and daughters to in sacrifice. And all of those pagan deities were roundly condemned by God. And it was the task of the Jewish people to destroy that paganism. And that's what I'm exploring right now. You know, if, if, I, if I say this now, then I won't have anything to say in a couple weeks if that's the route I decide to go. But let me just say this. Let me just say this. There was this tendency to move towards, here's the word, paganization in Israel. God had called them. God had set them apart. God had blessed them. And time and again, they would slide back into worship of the Baals. Or worship of Ishtar. Or worship of Molech. The sacrifice of children was in the valley of Hinnah, outside of Jerusalem. That's where we get the name of Gehenna which is the New Testament word for hell. It was a cursed place that was there. And here's what, I want, here's what I want you to think about and consider. Are we as a people, are you as an individual, slipping back into the influence of paganism? These old gods who are not gods at all, but they will bring destruction into your life. So I just leave you with this thought today. There is a beauty to holiness. Life works. You can overcome and cancel that sin nature. You will never eradicate it completely in this life. But the Spirit of God can bring you victory over it. And if that code that God has given to us becomes something that we study, that we ponder, that we meditate upon, that we integrate into our lives. And we work to see that define our homes, our families, our communities, our schools, and our nation. There is a day of great renewal ahead. One of my favorite kings in the Old Testament, and with this I close is King Josiah. The Jewish people, the southern kingdom, had so fallen away from the worship of Yahweh, Jehovah, that there wasn't a copy of the Torah, that's the first five books of the Old Testament. There wasn't a copy to be found anywhere. So Josiah sent workers To restore the temple in Jerusalem. And they did. And in the course of their building project. They came across the scrolls of the law. That came from Moses. And Josiah the king had those laws. The law of God read aloud to the people of Israel. And they rededicated themselves to the laws of God. To the holiness codes of God. And there was a season of revival and renewal that occurred. I think that same thing can happen here and now. Whether it's in your life individually, or there's something happening in our country right now. There's some bad things that are happening, but there's some very good things that are happening too. The resistance has begun. And so I want you to be a part of that, but most importantly... Make sure that in your own life it's the call to holiness and the beauty of holiness that is defining your priorities. Where you're not settling just for values but you're striving for the virtues that come into our life when we follow the law of God in our life. Could we bow our heads for just a moment? I just wonder, just just a question. But if there's anybody here um, and you just say, Pastor, in my own life, I recognize that, that I've been kind of sloppy about following the call to holiness that God has for me. And it's not working in my life. there you, not there not might not be a soul that's here that the Lord is speaking to right now, but there might be one or more. And I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to call you to the front. But if you'd like to be remembered in a closing prayer, and nobody's looking around. This is just a private moment. You just... I'm just going to ask you to raise your head and open your eyes and look at me as your sign. I see one person. Is there another? I see another Is there an, I see several. Yes. I'm going to ask us to stand right now. And um, I just thank you for your openness before the Lord. And I'm going to ask you just to repeat a prayer after me. All of us here. Especially if you were one of those that made eye contact with me. Okay. And you're going, in this prayer, you're going to rededicate your life the holiness that God has called you to. So just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus. I come before you right now. And I thank you for the beauty. Of your laws. And your holiness. I confess to you. That I've been distracted. And strayed from that mark. But I ask You to come into my life afresh and renew my mind and heart and my focus on the purity of Your laws. I ask this in Jesus' name, in faith believing, that Your Holy Spirit will help me to move nearer that mark in my life. It's in Jesus' name I pray and say thank you. Amen. Amen. I'm just so glad that there were some of you that responded to that.